Hello, Assalamu alaikum everybody. Hope you're all safe, sound and healthy. And this time I'm back with the uh, political and the current situation of Pakistan. Um, and actually this was something that I could have talked about the very day it happened. But the thing is that just for that one second worth of a... Because I had basically just a one-liner <laughs> for that, um, which was, you know... Um, which is why I thought maybe let me gather some more material so that there could be something else to talk about in the process. Also because I I was, um, as usual, as I predicted, um, nothing was going on in the Imran Khan front or Imran Riaz Khan front. Um, so the former prime minister and the journalist, both Imran Khans, uh, you know, nothing was going on in their front. Um, except for just wastage of time. And as you know, I've already ranted about how I do not um, watch or even care to look at uh, journalists or pseudo-journalists or vloggers who, um, you know, bring these glaring headlines, these cliche headlines um, on their YouTube where they say, you know, congratulations, big news, you know, I immediately get that out of my face um, because that is nothing but nonsense and they have no material and no information. So, you know, I have to really wait and watch and look around to see what exactly is going on around me in order to gather information. And then I have to confirm through other uh, real journalists and who are now vloggers as they fled the country um, to see if, if it really is, you know, um, if what information I've got, I mean, uh, if they've also got the same information. And then I also have to check out the um, uh, my me my own mental health at this point because you know I'm so I do not want to always be peed off. I'm already quite peed off at this country. I'm at that point where um, where I was 12 years ago where I kept on saying burn the whole country down um, because I knew the country was coming to this. That time nobody listened to me and that time everybody was like, oh my God, you know, she's just... So now everybody's screaming their ass off and I think, and I keep on telling everybody now that you all deserve it because this is what you get when you're very complacent and when you don't care about what your politicians, your establishment and your army are doing. And also, when you jump on the wagon, you know, when you jump on the bandwagon of corruption, so the whole public itself was so steeped in corruption because, um, as I've said so many times before, Zardari basically legalized corruption. He legalized black money. Um, he ruined everything. Um, he legalized, in fact, he forced smuggling of rice. Um, Nawaz Sharif forced smuggling of flour. Zardari forced smuggling of everything, basically. And Zardari is, a, 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 you know, an on-the-record criminal as a smuggler uh, for drugs and uh, for, um, you know, human trafficking as well. So, you know, you, you cannot just deny that. You can't deny something that is actually um, in your face real, you know. Um, and so 
based on all of that, you know, um, I keep on, that's why I'm at that point where, again, I would keep on telling people that, you know what, why don't you just wait for Nawaz Sharif to come back, you know, lick his ass and go on, you know, go on. Nothing's wrong with your country, you know, after all, for the past 30, 40 years, you enjoyed this whole caboodle of corruption. You said it didn't matter that your leaders were corrupt. You said it didn't matter where the country was going because the country was based, it was sitting on God's shoulders. Let me tell you one thing. God has forsaken this country. Um, this country is not sitting on God's shoulders, but is definitely sitting on the devil's shoulders. And the people of this country are definitely the devil's spawn. That is how I see it. Why? Because if you are so complacent that as long as your government is letting you eat out of that haram that it is also eating and you think that it's okay and you have forgotten your moral values, you have forgotten um, to, to differentiate between halal and haram, um, then I'm sorry, but you've got what's coming to you. Um, and as it is, uh, again, you know, the people who are aware, the people who have been fighting for for this, uh, for the country to turn around, for the country to get better, um, those people are being attacked by the establishment, by the army, um, by the uh, illegal government. And those people are, yes, they are uh, part of our population. They're a huge part of our population. But again, you know, um, as I say, there is a time for everything. Um, when 20 odd years ago, Imran Khan started this whole thing, um, that time, obviously, those of us who were from abroad like him, uh, we knew what he was saying and we knew what he was trying to do. But the people, the majority of the population that were born and bred in Pakistan, it took them 22 bloody years to wake up and understand where the man was coming from and what he was trying to say and what he was trying to do, which in my uh, opinion is too little too late, you know. But okay, I was ready to accept that as well, that okay, so people have finally woken up. It took them 22 bloody years to wake up, but at least they've woken up. Good for you, you know. But I still had no hope. Why? Because, see, that's the problem. When people shut their eyes to reality, um, or when people are so focused looking at the big picture, they lose the trees. And when people are so focused looking at the trees, they lose the big picture. In my opinion, in my humble opinion, you need to look at both. You need to not just look at the big picture, but you also need to look at the fine, minute details within the picture. They're as important as the big picture. And it's because the people omitted those fine details that they could not completely manifest that big picture. You know, um, our people are so used to shortcuts and they're so used to jugard. You know, they're so used to looking for temporary uh, fixation of things, you know, short-term fixation and short-term this and short-term that. And that is why, again, I had no hope for the country. And once again, unfortunately, especially unfortunately for me, because I'm forced to live here regardless. So I, uh, you know, I, I predicted that this country still had no real future. And that is exactly what happened. Um, Imran Khan's government was forcefully toppled. Why? Because people refused to see, they refused to look at those fine details within the big picture.
you know the fact that we are actually at a point where we need to not renovate renovate or restore our country's foundation but we need to break it down and then build it from scratch which is a very huge work actually and time consuming it's not going to take you 2 years or 3 years it's going to take you the next 50 years why because the foundation was already rotten it was already rotten why because the british as i keep on repeating myself like a broken record um the first thing that they do whenever they leave a country that they have no choice but to uh you know give independence to um uh, and this is also where now i'll digress a little bit to explain this because this is a conversation that i had with my father uh, recently where um he was like you know why do you keep on saying that qaidiazm created pakistan constitutionally when if you look at it this way it was the british who uh, enabled it constitutionally anyway because they were leaving the subcontinent now here is where i was uh, you know disagreeing and i try to explain that the reason he said india was also constitutionally created no you see that is where it's it in my in my humble opinion that is where it's wrong the british were obliged to leave india yes as my father said the british had no choice they had to leave india and so this was automatically you know india was going to gain its independence that is not even the question here you see and that is where constitutional uh, foundation of pakistan emerges you know which later became east and west pakistan which later became bangladesh and pakistan so two states emerged and that was not because the british automatically left india and constitutionally made india no leaving india was one thing but the creation of another state from within india that was the other whole story you see and that is why we say that qaidiazm constitutionally created pakistan the british never they were obliged to create pakistan before they leave, before they left and they had no choice at the end uh because they were thinking that they would fool jinnah and and you know just you know be very condescending towards him and say oh you know you can be governor general and you know still be under the state of blah 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 and this and that in other words they were thinking that we would just you know um keep on feeding him um fodder and then you know have him as our puppet and that pakistan would be a buffer state that was autonomous and so ultimately it would be under the umbrella of india and qaidiazm realized or recognized it and he he flipped the table right there he turned the tables there he flipped everything over when he said okay yeah sure sure just 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 give the land already and as soon as the land was given he immediately secured it as a sovereign state so he legally constitute because he was a constitutional expert he was a legal expert remember that he was a lawyer his whole struggle was based on constitution it was a constitution struggle and that is why um pakistan was mapped out without a war it was constitutionally mapped out that is why when we talk about the history of pakistan and we say that it was a country that was constitutionally mapped out you know 
it was not mapped out uh, from you know wars and bloodshed bloodshed came after when india realized what happened when india realized that it had no choice and that pakistan was ultimately a separate sovereign state then india initiated violence after the creation of pakistan when trains uh, when people were taking trains to cross borders um india initiated bloodshed against them so after pakistan was created india reacted to that creation by initiating violence and bloodshed you need to understand that so yeah no india was not constitutionally created no india was just brought back to its initial state of of uh, you know where it was before the british came so you know somebody comes invades your home and then they leave your home that doesn't give you constitutional freedom you know that just means that those who invaded your home have left your home and now your home is back to being under your own ownership that is it that does not give you constitutional independence no that's not the definition of granting india constitutional independence no that is literally uh, the british leaving india what was constitutionally granted independence was pakistan which had east pakistan and west pakistan which later on as we know in the 70s became two completely different states two completely different countries pakistan which was originally west pakistan is now pakistan and which was east pakistan is bangladesh and again if you go way behind that the original plan of qaidiazam was always two states he never talked about one state you need to understand that right from the start the plan was that bangladesh was going to be a separate state and pakistan was going to be a separate state they merged the two states in order to ensure independence of those two states that is another thing that qaidiazam ensured you see so that was another very smart alec thing that qaidiazam did which is why we say constitutionally created a country constitutionally mapped out he carved out two states first linking them as one so that they can both be carved out immediately it was always in the plan for bangladesh to be independent it is the greatness you can say of bangladesh where it chose to continue staying as one state with pakistan and later on it was again with great sadness that bangladesh had to become um independent again but again if you trace it back to the original plan the original plan was always two states when qaidiazam made the proposal it was not for one state it was for two states and then he proposed to the uh people of bangladesh that okay let's join hands let's just become one until we get what we want and that is what happened so this is why we say that we can this is why we cannot say that india was also constitutionally created india was already there india was india india was there you know india was never one state it was never one country it was always warring states and it was the muslims who came and united india under one umbrella 
at the same time granting independence to the uh, states which had which were princely states and when england came they had no choice because they realized that that was ultimately the best way to carry on so they too continued to grant princely states um with their own jurisdictions and their own uh, autonomous um you know pseudo independence so when england left india was pretty much in the same state it was before if you know what i'm trying to say here constitutionally or politically speaking or geographically you can say generally so no you cannot say india was constitutionally created by the british the british left india what came as a result of it was the creation of two separate countries or at that time one separate country pakistan which later on became two separate countries pakistan and bangladesh so yes this is where i would say that my dad was kind of wrong okay yeah india was not constitutionally created in no way can we say it in no way no technical way can we say this india was india and india went back to being india what was created was a new state out of india that is pakistan right so now back to the pavilion here we have this whole point of view being carried out and then we have um the establishment the army and the uh, pseudo government that we have so as i said whenever britain leaves a state that was its colony the first thing it does is it strategically places traitors in strategic positions but especially in the army and law enforcement agencies which obviously make up part of the establishment the and in the in the political arena as well obviously in the bureaucratic machinery because these three are what form the collective uh foundation of a state right so british people always left their minions their fifth columnists so that the, that cycle can go on because you need to understand that america and britain uh, and sta- countries like in europe european countries and in america basically um even ultimately canada they really have nothing of their own um everything that they have all the framework that they have is borrowed and whether you like it or not but this has been constantly uh, time and again proven and as i said those who have studied constitution those who have studied jurisprudence those who have studied law and those who have ultimately ultimately um entered into civil service they are all aware of that the only people who are not aware of that are the common people the public the mass but these countries have borrowed heavily from islamic framework okay their legal framework their political framework their intelligence framework um their whole their whole state framework you can say is it's heavily borrowed from islam right and from because islam um had already worked on all of these and advanced on them and so with a little twist here and a little change here and a little modification here um they have borrowed heavily from the islamic framework and so they really have nothing to their name they make try to uh, be very fancy and quote the greco roman and this and that but at the end of the day the influence of greco roman is still um very less especially in the modern civilization um where those do not really apply 
so it is essentially islamic framework which is the most modern of all frameworks and then they add to it and you know they um, embellish on it and they twist and turn and change and modify accordingly according to needs according to you know uh, modernization and stuff so they have nothing to their name everything is heavily borrowed um so they need to heavily lean still on their colonies also for resources their ex colonies for resources so yeah they would never let these countries go they would never allow other countries to be sovereign states to be independent and that is the same problem with africa as you can see um they are still looting and plundering from africa whether it's diamonds or it's gold or it's minerals or it's um anything really um africa is one of the richest continents on earth um you know pakistan is extremely rich in resources but we are not even allowed to exploit our own resources why imagine now you're a sovereign state and yet another state actually has the right to tell you that you cannot exploit your own resources so this is where now i come to the in it, to the uh, full circle back to the original um you know uh note that i was going to say that i have only one line to say on that which is why i waited a few days um and that is who the hell does the american ambassador think he is coming and visiting the election commission of pakistan in what capacity did he come to talk to the election commission of pakistan the us ambassador what is his authority what is his status in the bureaucratic machinery who is he who the bloody fuck is he to come and talk to pakistan's election commission an ambassador a bloody ambassador is not even somebody who you would even look at and in what capacity is that ambassador coming and talking to the election commission of pakistan and so this is where that whole story that i just repeated and reiterated and added to and digressed and completed the whole circle closes in two and i'm sure now you understand my question here and i'm sure you have the answer already is pakistan a sovereign state will the us ambassador have the guts to go and do that in india or bangladesh or nepal or in canada or in england or in france or in germany will will anybody do that and again that will coming back to india remember uh, in my previous podcast i i've i've sort of mentioned how india is so ridiculous that instead of actually being friendly with its neighbors it is trying to be the america of asia in fact it is dubbed the america of asia i dubbed it anybody can continue dubbing it that because it is the most uh, stupid reckless idiotic um and narcissistic country of asia just like how america is for the whole world 
um, that it is so busy trying to put down its neighbors and declare itself dawn of Asia when the idiot is actually, um, you know, literally shooting itself in the foot. Why? If India had stopped uh, with its inferiority complex regarding Pakistan, if India would just stop, you know, there is a reason why India is called Pakistan's ugly sister. Everything about India screams ugly sister. It screams complex. It screams inferiority. It screams problems. It screams mental health issues. You know, if India were a person, um, then, you know, then he could, India would be diagnosed as Cinderella's ugly sister, you know, uh, because I, you, you just can't get it. You, you can't get what India's, what's wrong with India, you know. If India worked with Pakistan and Bangladesh and China and other countries um, on a purely, um, purely uh, neutral and friendly uh, and manner, and you know, as as equals, as neighbors, everybody would have benefited from this, right? But India, while pretending to be uh, be an ally of Russia, has been secretly, um, you know, uh, having an alliance with America. So where you hear the the public generally talk about how you know, oh, America is you know uh, the enemy and this and that. When the truth is that India has heavily depended on America to become the biggest market in the world that it is. So if India thinks that India owes nobody, as I said in my previous podcast, that if India thinks that it owes nobody for being the biggest market in the world, um, it's wrong. All these countries that were supposed to be allies of Pakistan, um, they were never allies of Pakistan because, as I said, the British had already promised India that Pakistan was not supposed to exist as a sovereign state. It had promised India that one way or the other, Pakistan would come under India's umbrella, under India's federal jurisdiction. Under It would be a sort of an autonomy under India, one way or the other. So because of that... Um, these countries, these real um, allies, which mark Europe and America, um, they have been working with India to steadily make it more powerful and to make it a big market, whereas Pakistan, the alleged ally, is not even a market. You understand? Pakistan is not even a market in the global market arena. Pakistan is a market does not exist in the global market arena, okay, officially. So India is, is a global market. Pakistan is not a global market. So they have worked for 70 years to ensure that Pakistan does not ever officially enter the global market, right? They worked with India to ensure that Pakistan would not host the uh, cricket match, if you remember, the World Cup, which Pakistan was supposed to host, uh, but very neatly it went to India. After India created uh, a terrorism incident in Pakistan, in Lahore, and attacked Sri Lankan, uh, the, the Sri Lankan cricket team, and the Sri Lankan cricket team was very open and vocal about it, in which they said that they knew who their attackers were and, and they could see what was going on. Um, 
but the world was very quick to shun uh, Pakistan at that point because that is what the world worked with India to do you know and once again you know um, Australia and and the other few countries they very visibly worked with India um, again to rig matches so that India could win the cricket matches and then again you know they worked with India supporting it to be a larger market so India is today where it is uh, no thanks to its own efforts although they may have played a bit of a role but largely because of the geopolitics of its western allies and that is why the minute Pakistan was beginning to reassert its sovereignty under Imran Khan um, and when Pakistan was now working actively to uh, resurrect the Islamic bloc and to work on the bloc with China and Russia and Middle East and Central Asia, um, that is why America very, very aggressively worked with India um, first to try and create terrorism incidents within Pakistan, which actually were foiled um, uh, very neatly. Um, so that is why there were basically no real incidents. But at the same time, they did manage one or two. And then later on when they saw that, okay, um, they were not going anywhere with that, they decided to very openly interfere with Pakistan, very openly command the establishment of Pakistan to topple the legitimate government of Pakistan. The fact that the establishment bowed down to America's command tells you who they're really working for and it tells you that they are fifth columnists and it tells you that this is no conspiracy theory but an actual conspiracy at play while you're watching it. The 70-year-old conspiracy bearing fruition or fruition, however you like to say it, at this point. Where, and that is why the um, establishment and the army and the and Nawaz Sharif and Zardari very openly uh, aired their dirty laundry and very openly they exposed themselves as they came out of hiding. Before that, whenever they did America's biting, it was always basically sneak peeks you know so you you could see the hidden hand of the establishment of the army of of uh, you know the government um but it was never very open so you know they always kept themselves at a safe distance so that they could not be openly accused or they they could basically have a deniability you know clause um, but this time, they literally just went all out. They were like, you know, screw deniability clause and screw responsibility clause. And, you know, it's Pakistan is all but sold. We have finally reached the final stage. It doesn't matter if everybody knows that we are behind it all. And they just came up out in the open and they did the dirty job of America. Um, basically, uh telling the public of Pakistan that, yes, we are the traitors, you know. Um, and, and then after that, attacking the people of Pakistan, attacking the public of Pakistan when they rose to protest, um, because that attack again showed America, Americans' hand, and this time it wasn't a hidden hand, it was a very open, exposed hand of America's. Um, 
because America had been sending teams and senators to meet Maryam Nawaz. And now, again, in what capacity, if you remember in my previous episodes, I kept asking, in what capacity are the American senators visiting Maryam Nawaz personally, privately, in the middle of the night, secretly? Um, what are these hidden agendas, you know? In what capacity, when she had no political authority, she had no status, nothing. So why were they meeting her? Again, our media, which tries to talk about, you know, uh, they were trying to, you know, uh, fabricate stories about how journalists were being kidnapped during Imran Khan's time. Um, hello, if journalists were being kidnapped, then why and how was it that the media, uh, the the channel, the media powerhouses, the channels, the, the journalists were so vocal um, as they made anti-state uh, statements and as they uh, pushed anti-state sentiments towards the public, and the public, in fact, were against the, the media. That was the time, during Imran Khan's time, the public literally begged the government to censor the media. The public had a problem with the government because the government refused to censor the media. Even though the media was very openly um, promoting anti-state uh, anti sentiments and they were attacking the government and they were attacking Imran Khan and they were attacking the sovereignty of Pakistan right before the public's eyes and again if Imran Khan's government really was that kind of a government that they were shutting down media the press the freedom of the press and blah de blah then why was our media so vocal in presenting anti-state sentiments and today why is that same media quiet why are journalists being killed why are journalists being kidnapped where is imran riaz khan you know and why aren't the media talking about it now where are those powerhouses again those same people who made issues out of women's rights um, during Imran Khan's time, um, which actually enjoyed the most freedom um, because the largest number of uh, female political workers were in Imran Khan's party. The largest, uh, the largest number of female participation in the history of Pakistan after Jannah was again found under Imran Khan's time. So, uh, you know, what were those weird groups coming out for marching about women's rights? And today, where are those women? Where are those groups when women are being harassed, sexually abused, kidnapped, um, illegally detained by the government, by the illegal government? Remember that illegal government whose time had constitutionally long passed. And in what capacity is the American ambassador coming and talking to the Election Commission of Pakistan? Now, this is what you people really need to focus on. This is what the world really needs to understand. Um, the world needs to realize what a huge conspiracy against Pakistan was made, how long ago it started, and how America in the last 10 years especially worked really hard, and especially in the past four to five years, how America aggressively, openly, 
broke international laws and they they literally attacked the sovereignty of Pakistan. They interfered with Pakistan. They interfered with an independent, separate state. And the world was silent, which means the world is in compliance. The world is in partnership with America. By being silent, by remaining silent, the world is declaring that they are together with America. And you know what? Today it is our, it's, it's us. As you see, the next came Africa. And now it will be your turn. Continue with the silence. Continue with this allegiance. And next it will be you. Don't think that because you're European countries and your allies and no, 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 no. Certain European countries are now going to fall too. Their sovereignty is going to be is going to be challenged as well. Um, France is already a deep neck in it, um, even if it hasn't realized it yet. But France has actually fallen, and it is again because of the same reason that it was so busy trying to control other countries and it was so busy um you know uh, working with america um in initiating violence and terrorism in different countries just so that they can loot and plunder and now france has fallen and america is nowhere to be found helping france out do you see america helping france out no in fact america made sure that uh euro should suffer and it made sure that Europe should suffer so that Europe should be forever uh, bound to America by the war that it started between Ukraine and Russia, affecting the whole uh, European lifestyle of the masses of Europe. So this is again for people who are actually can see what's going on because it's so obvious, it's so glaringly obvious, but people in general like to close their eyes and they like to dig a hole and put their head in and pretend um, that nothing's happening. And that is exactly uh, what the, uh, the certain government bodies of certain countries are benefiting from. That is what they're taking advantage of. Uh, it suits them and that is what they're working on. Um, so yeah, so these are the, the points that need to be looked at very carefully. Um, that it's amazing that even today in this in this vast uh, explosion of population, still it's always the minority that has an ironclad hold upon majority, and that it is such a handful of minority that somehow still manages to dictate the lives of. Uh, the majority, and this is on a global level, you know. Again, it's because they bank on the fact that the mass does not want to get involved directly in this whole thing. The mass just wants to turn a blind eye and pretend nothing's going on so that the mass should not have to take responsibility for anything. Um, you know, sheep, just sheep. So they're banking on that. And with this, I leave you all to ponder or to put your head in the sand, whatever it is that you wish to do, whatever floats your boat, whatever makes you sleep better at night. Um, but remember, we are all responsible. And we cannot shirk it, no matter how much we try. To a certain level, we're all responsible. Um, so 
you can't pick and choose what suits you to talk about and you know leave uh, the rest in hypocritical oblivion that does not work because as i said today it's us um the next day it became africa tomorrow it will be you or should i say yesterday and today it's us today it's africa tomorrow it will be you so this is me signing out for the hafiz